1514 is a resource of the Biblical Counseling Coalition that is made possible in part by donations from listeners like you. Will you help us to continue this wonderful ministry by logging on and giving a special donation or becoming a monthly donor? You can do so by going to our website, biblicalcc.org, and clicking on the Donate button at the top. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 15:14, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Today's guest is BCC Council member Shannon McCoy. Shannon is a biblical counselor certified with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors and has a Master of Arts degree in biblical counseling from the Masters University. She's the author of Help, I'm a Slave to Food and contributing author to Women Counseling Women. She's a retreat and conference speaker, and she writes regularly for the BCC blog as well as other biblical counseling blogs. You can find out more about her and her ministry at shannonkmccoy.com. It was a real delight to get to know Shannon and hear her story her about her upbringing, how the Lord saved her, and how the Lord brought her into biblical counseling ministry. I was really encouraged and delighted to see God's hand in very specific ways guiding her to the work that she is doing now. I hope that you are likewise encouraged and inspired to move forward in your ministry wherever the Lord has you. I hope you enjoy today's program. Well, Shannon McCoy, thank you so much for being with us today. Could you please introduce yourself to our audience, tell us a little bit about your family and what current ministry roles you're filling? Well, today, as of today, I am a counselor at my church and here in San Diego. I um, I went to school at the Master's College, and that was back in 2009 when I graduated, moved out to San Diego during the bad economic turn. Mm. So I work full-time as a, a cytotechnologist at LabCorp, and I counsel at my church and do some speaking and do some writing. And yeah, that's why I'm here in San Diego. Yeah, very cool. I just, I was watching you on the IBCD uh, Messy Discipleship uh, video training thing recently. It was just fun to, to yes. catch up with you on that. So what are, you, what are you writing right now? What are you working on? Or tell our audience a little bit about some of the stuff you've written already. So one um, major little project I worked on was uh, part of the Help Booklet series with Paul mm-hmm. Talgis. Yeah. Mine is called Help, I'm a Slave to Food. And that came from my thesis at the Master's College. It was on uh, gluttony, glorifying God and all that we do. Mm. And so that's how that came about. So that was a few years ago. And I'm a BCC council member. Mm-hmm. So I have the opportunity to blog. So I've written a lot of articles on that. And particularly the two that keeps popping up. Uh, is the one on the critical spirit and the one on God uses damaged goods. So yeah. those two have been, um, I've even had like a Facebook live on, on both of those topics actually. Yeah. So that's been fun. I, uh, I do some speaking. I speak at IBCD conference, uh, and some other stuff retreats. I'm doing, uh, our late, our church's women's retreat coming up in a few weeks and that's on friendship. <laughs> So I'm excited about that. Very and cool. yeah, so that's, yeah, that's what I do. Well, we really appreciate you being a BCC council member and the writing you do for us and excited 
for you to get more and more and more opportunities too with that. So I, uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but we're kind of taking these podcasts and taking time to get to know you because uh, at the center of the coalition is relationships and relationships are built around knowing people and being known by people. And I wanted to take a time for our audience to get to know some of our council members and other leaders in the biblical counseling movement on a more personal level uh, for a number of reasons. So tell us a little bit about your childhood. What was your upbringing like? Tell us about your family growing up. Let's see. So I think it was a rainy day back in 1970 when I was born. Uh, You remember the rain. That's good. That's good. I remember the rain. Yeah. Uh, You know, I grew up, I was born, actually, I was born in Washington, D.C. My um, parents, they had two girls at the time and I came along, they were living in D.C. And then a few years after that, they moved to New York, to Long Island, New York, my, where my brother was born. And then we eventually moved back to my parents' hometown, which is Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. So it's really close to where Jim Neuheiser is. Oh, yeah. So, yep. I grew up there and yeah, I just had a good childhood, just full of activity, being uh, just playing out in the neighborhood, playing uh, jump rope and riding bikes and roller skating and playing back in the woods. If you're from the South, we have woods, mm. you know, we play in the woods. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I have uh, two sisters, older sisters, and it's me and then a younger brother. So had a good childhood, lots of animals, lots of cats, lots of dogs. Very cool. Yeah. What were, if you were to describe yourself or tell people, this is the kind of kid I was, what would you say? Ooh, I, I was a shy kid. Hmm. I was a very clingy needy, <laughs> shy kid. And I always wanted affection. If I, if I had to have a love language, it would be affection or physical touch. I was just a hugger hmm. uh, from the beginning. And uh, yeah, cause I had two older sisters who are loud and talkative. So I kind of got lost in that mix. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but coming, coming, just growing into who I am, I actually became a cheerleader all through high school and I ran track all through high school. So I was kind of popular, but not really because I was still reserved. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm sure <laughs> being a hugger, the pandemic's been a wonderful, wonderful time for you. That's That, you know what, it's, it's funny because, you know, like I said, my church, uh, we've been meeting since last May and we are... I'm meeting outside, so I, I still I get opportunity to hug people. So I did oh, not good. miss that. And the other good thing about it was my company. I work for LabCorp. You know, they were they are the big lab that has been doing a lot of COVID testing. Hmm. So fortunately, working there, we didn't shut down. And so I was, I've been working since the beginning. So fortunately, I haven't been very much affected by the by the pandemic. Well, praise the Lord for that. And praise the Lord, being in San Diego, the weather is so good year round. You can be outside all the time. So we're spoiled. We're so spoiled. <laughs> like this past Sunday, it was a little bit nippy. It's like, it's freezing out here. And it's <laughs> like it 68 like, degrees or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. What most people keep their homes at in other places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the, oh, man. That's funny. Well, so you're you're telling us that you're kind of an introverted, shy kid, but you threw yourself into 
really more like outgoing out activities, cheerleading, track. What else, what other kind of interests did you have as a teen, as a young person? So, you know, I like, I like being a part of a team. I like being in a group. I like friends. So anything that was active, I participated in. And um, yeah, I liked, but also liked science. So I did well in biology. And that matter of fact, that was my major in college was biology. So just, yeah, playing with my siblings and my friends, you know, teenagers, that's the most important thing yeah. <laughs> is wanting to belong. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Now tell us, how did you, how did you come to Saving Faith? What was that journey like for you? Well, that happened in college. Um, so spiritually speaking, growing up, traditionally we would go to church um, every Sunday, but I didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord all through my teen years. I just, you know, just living a moral life, mm. um, you know, with my, my family and Easter Sundays and all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't until I got to college where God really got my attention. Being away from home, I, w- I was three hours away from home at the College of Charleston in Charleston, South Carolina. It's now called Charleston University now, but it was College Charleston back there, back then in the 90s. Um, just being away from home and being the shy introvert that I was, I was looking for something familiar. Uh, a friend fortunately invited me to her church and this was a church where I haven't experienced this before. My church back home was more reserved. This church was more lively. People were, you know, expressive in their worship to God had never seen that. Mm. It looks like they had a real relationship with God. It's like, that's what I wanted. Mm. And, uh, being a science person, I was, I am a note taker. So the sermon, I, to this day, I still have the journal of the pastor's sermons from the 90s. And I look back on that. It's like, you know, with all the cadence and all that stuff that goes with the African-American pastor, it's like there are some really solid scriptural things that I got out of that and learned what, what it means to be saved. So in this church also did a lot of what they call what do you call it? Consecrate what they called it consecration services. Basically, they had like a week of services in the evening. Different pastors would come and preach at the church, and you just go there every night. And it was through that process, through the messages, the message really was that we have a ministry. Like God, when God calls us to himself, we are to serve him. And just, mm-hmm. just with a combination of different things, really, that really convicted my heart. And I remember after one of those evenings, I went back to my dorm room and I uh, just gave my life to Christ. Mm-hmm. And that was in, mm-hmm. I, it was March, 1992 that wow. that happened. So, yeah. Praise the Lord. That's really, that's really great. So while you were at school, what were you, what were you studying? So I, my initial uh, desire was to go to medical school. So I majored in biology and uh, through not getting the proper uh, advising and counsel, I didn't end up doing that in enough time to like apply to med school. But but I did apply. I learned about a field called cytotechnology. It's, it's C-Y-T-O. If you guys know your 
your basic science, that cell. So it's a study of cells. So I look at cells under a glass microscope looking for cancer cells, like hmm. ladies, the pap smears that we have, we look for different things like STDs and cancer, but we also look for like breast cancer, thyroid cancer, bladder cancer, any type. When a, when a doctor takes a specimen, they send it to our lab, we process it, and I'm the one that sits there under a microscope and screen the slide looking for cancer cells. Wow. So that that's my career. That's what I do now here in San Diego. Well, that's a that's a really important career, no doubt about it. I'm sure everybody appreciates appreciates the work that work that you do. Um, so you be, you're studying biology at school. You become a believer. How does that how does that change? Obviously, it changes your life a lot. But what are some of the particular ways in which it shifted or changed your life? Just looking, it, there's a stark contrast between the secular life and the Christian life was so evident to me. Mm. You know, it's a college campus, so you see all kind of things on a college campus oh, yeah. uh, versus in the church. And just seeing young people wanting to serve the Lord and loving the Lord, that was so refreshing to me. So immediately the way I dressed changed, you know, the people I hung out with, the things I was doing, listening to secular music, I kind of pushed that away and just, I just soaked up everything. That's where I was introduced to John MacArthur. So his expositional preaching really taught me the word of God and Elizabeth Elliot. So I was introduced to Christian radio. I didn't know that there was teaching on Christian radio. Wow. I just thought there was like the boring gospel music on Christian radio, like the old time <laughs> gospel. It's like, that's so boring. But then I discovered the the teaching. And yeah. so that's when I first heard of Elizabeth Elliot. Mm. And she was like my spiritual mother. Mm. She was like my discipler, although she never knew me. Just her 15 minute shows every day, I just fed me and that's how I grew just listening buying tapes up and everything that was yeah mm, that's fantastic <laughs> so how did you um how did you find out about and get into biblical counseling that goes back to John MacArthur so uh <laughs> yeah because he was always on the radio and mm -hmm. back in 1994-95 he started talking about this new program he was bringing to the master's college. Mm -hmm. They were kicking out the psychology element of their, I guess, degrees and bringing in biblical counseling uh, with Wayne Mack. So in that, at that moment, what was happening with me was I was growing in the Lord and I felt like I wanted to minister to women. Mm. It's just women were coming to me anyway, were you know, talking about their issues and stuff. So I, I, I started Bible studies with them, but, it, you know, doing Bible studies, you're not really getting into the personal nitty gritty. And so I was thinking psychology, this is before I heard about biblical counseling. I was thinking psychology. There was a program. I was at this time living in Charlotte, North Carolina. There was a program at UNC. I could go there. I could take that. As I was researching that, I heard John MacArthur's message on the radio mm. about this new program. So I, at the time, this is uh, part of the college story. At the time, I was married. I got married in 1993. I met my now ex-husband at college, if you in a mutual friendship. 
And we got married in 1993, moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. I was working as a cytotech. He was doing his thing. And uh, during that time, that's when the biblical counseling message came on with John MacArthur. And so I put it in the back of my head because I'm on the East Coast and the yeah. program's on the West Coast. So at the time, they weren't doing like online. They didn't even, that thought wasn't even really there back then. Yeah, so, Al yeah, Gore he, hadn't in, in, invented the internet yet, so we were all, <laughs> we were all without right. online training. It, it, you know, well, that's interesting. That was, I know my, my daughter would be like, what? You're so old. Like, <laughs> yeah. In college, what they have right now, they have access to so much stuff. She's been virtual since last March. She goes mm-hmm. to the University of San Diego. She graduates this May. So Yay. that's a good thing. Praise the Lord. That's but she's, exciting. Everything's been virtual. She's mm. like, she hasn't skipped a beat. Had just the resources they have today is crazy. Yeah. So that's how I, that's how I thought about biblical counseling and put that in the back of my head that one day I want to go to that program to, to get a degree in biblical counseling. Oh, that's wonderful. And so fast forward, when did you actually, um, cause you did your undergrad in South Carolina uh, mm-hmm. you, and you did your Master of Biblical Counseling at Masters, right? When, right. Uh, fill us in. Tell us how you got there. How did you make that how jump from I the East there? Coast to the West Coast? Well, I, I don't like that this is a part of my testimony, but it is. And the this is the part where the marriage deteriorated and he left. But we had we got married in 93 and had a daughter in 98. And... Three years after that, he left, and it was just me and my daughter. She's now 22, but she was uh, right before she was three at that time. And at that point, this is where my article, God Uses Damaged Goods, come from. Mm. Because after that, I went into a three-year depression, just asking God, what is going on? What are you doing How did you allow this to happen? I prayed about this. All of these questions that you have in your head when something bad happens. And being in the church is like, it's doubly hard. But I just, in that three years, uh, just asking God, God sent in some wonderful friends to minister to me during that time and actually help remind me of who I am in Christ Mm. and the fact that, you know, God doesn't use perfect people. He uses imperfect people. Amen. And just remembering that and realizing I still have a calling on my life. I may be damaged, but I still have a calling. And so I remembered the biblical counseling program that I put in the back of my mind mm. and uh, began to look into it again. And this was by this time, it's the year 2003 that I'm going through this divorce and going into this new phase of a single parent and thinking, how can you use me? Mm. What can I do? So surely by faith, believing in what God had called me to do in the first place, I put an application to the master's college, not knowing if I was going to get accepted or not. And the strange thing is there was a timeline in which all this all these things had to happen where it's like, I need to know if I'm accepted now because I have to put in a notice for where I was living. I had to make all these plans. And so uh, I didn't know I was accepted, but I had to put in my notice 
of where I was living and moved in with my mom and found out that I got accepted. And this is the amazing thing that God did. My older sister, she used to have a conservative political Christian blog. And she posted my prayer request letter on her blog one day. It was pretty popular back then. And I had four requests. And one was, um, so I got accepted to the master's college. I need a place to live. I need a car. Um, I need someone to watch my kid while I'm in school. And the can't, I can never remember the fourth one. But she posted it and people got in contact. I don't know if you know Rick Waller from at the master's college. He's in the career development uh, department. He worked with undergrads, so we didn't really come in. I met him because he responded to that blog post. And Rick Waller was so key in helping me get from South Carolina to California by, um, he sent me information on people looking for roommates, so I found a place to live through, through that. I was calling State Farm to find out, like, what are the, what's the cost in this crazy place for yeah. having a car? And uh, the person who answered the phone was a seminary wife. Mm. So her husband worked, he, he was a student at the master's seminary, and she answered the phone. And through her, she found a car for me. Rick Waller went out and tested it. I'm still in South Carolina when this is happening. <laughs> and, and just everything just fell into place. Mm. I uh, flew into Burbank. Rick Waller picked us up, took us to UPS to get the, the little things that we shipped. He took me to my car because he had, he had test driven the car mm. and said, it's okay. I mean, just everything just fell into place. And that's how we got here. And we've been here since 2005. Wow. Praise the Lord. That's really... <laughs> Just crazy. A, yeah, really your testimony crazy. is just a te- <laughs> all of our testimonies are a testimony of God's faithfulness and goodness and everything. And I think yeah. that's really sweet to have all those really clear puzzle pieces coming together for you and your story. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, you you mentioned your you work full time in the secular world, whatever. I don't know. Like I don't think there is a real separation there. It's all, all right. God's world. <laughs> But you, you work there and you work, you counsel through your church. Um, and you've been counseling for some time and you've written, you've helped a lot of people. What are some, I want you to share some of the lessons learned from your counseling experience, starting with maybe what is, what's one of the hardest things for you or, um, in counseling or one of the hardest things you've faced in counseling ministry? Yeah, uh, one of the hardest lessons I've learned was uh, you have to allow the counselee to get to know you and to trust you before you just give out mm. help and information. It's like when we, we know when we get a counseling situation, we kind of know where to go with that. And we start counseling that person there, but that person's not ready <laughs> for yeah. all of that. And especially like one thing. Uh, so I, I pastor with uh, the staff, the, the pastors, like five pastors, and I co-counsel with them, depending on the cases, mm. uh, to have a woman come in into the situation. So this is a thing that I, I would caution. When that happens, the pastors have a situation going on, and then they realize we need a woman in on here on, on this. Mm. So they kind of give us an, uh, an update or summary, and we come in like full speed ahead. 
but that counselee doesn't know the new person that came in. And I made the mistake of just going in on on her issue when Mm. she felt like, wait, it's like, who are you? You, how do you, you don't know anything. And I'm like thinking, yes, I do. Cause I just, I'm updated, but that's not, that wasn't right. And it was hurtful for her and it did not end well. So, yeah. So I would, I would really caution. It's like, allow the person like slow down, allow the person to get to know you and to, for them to be able to trust you that you really care about them and you care about what they're going through they need to have that confidence. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a really good word and a, and a really great um, insight on the, for any co-counsel, not whether you're a woman or not coming in. If you come in guns blazing partway through, cause you got the, you read the file, you got the update, whatever, that's gonna, yeah, that could be a challenge. <laughs> no, that, that's a really yeah. helpful, really helpful tip. Yeah, our, my old pastor used to always say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's just a real simple Absolutely. way. And that's, that's that's so important in counseling. No, good. Thanks for yeah. sharing that. You know, with that with that point there, that's important too. When you start um, counseling people in different cultures, hmm. it's like get to know that culture, hmm. you know, through them before you go in. Like you said, with gun ble- guns blazing, because yeah, they need to know that you care. It's like, do you even know anything about me? Do you, you know? So that's important. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good word. I think we, in our training, and you've, I know you've listened to, heard a lot of training and done, done training. We always do talk about investigating or inventory. We have these different words to describe asking questions. Uh, but sometimes those questions ignore the broader cultural upbringing uh, that somebody yeah. has. And especially when we're coming from a very different background, it's important to understand that. What yeah. are all the influences in somebody's life. And that's, yeah, that's really helpful. What, uh, what are the things that you, um, that you really love that keep you going in counseling? Wow. It's the love, (laughs) Mm. the love that God has uh, given me, which I want to spill out in other people. So counseling is my avenue to express the love of Jesus to others. Some people may find that and of course, preaching and teaching Bible studies and serving in nursery. I, mine is through counseling. It's like, what would I do if I didn't have this avenue? You know, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so just knowing, like, like I like to say, I know down in my knower that this is what God has for me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all in. I would do anything if it's writing, it's speaking, teaching. I'm all in biblical counseling because it's just what God has given me, you know, to do. So I love that. And I love uh, to see when the light bulb comes on, when you're Mm. counseling someone, (laughs) because, you know, when you're like coming for uh, based on an issue, you, you're, you have blind spots. You don't see your situation uh, in terms of from God's perspective. So that's what I help the person to do is to see it from God's perspective you know, the light bulb comes on and they begin, they walk out differently, living life in that area differently. So I love, love, love seeing that. And I I love connecting with other biblical counselors too. Yeah. Which is one of the benefits of being in the, in the coalition. Uh, But like you guys have too. Uh, I didn't ask you about this at all, but it just popped in my head. You, you have a 
kind of association or gathering of biblical counselors in, in San Diego area. Could you tell our audience about that, kind of how that started and some of the benefit of that? Yeah, it's unofficially, we are called San Diego Biblical Counselors because we didn't know what else to call us. But how that <laughs> came about is, uh, so Susan Phillips is a biblical mm-hmm. counselor who came from a different part of California. She moved to this area because she has adult kids here, and she was looking to connect with other biblical counselors. She was counseling at her church with her husband before he passed away, and she came here, and her church they didn't have her like on staff, but they allowed her to do it herself on the property. So she was a kind of like a loner mm. and she wanted to connect with other counselors. She found me on LinkedIn and we got together and became friends and she knew other people around the area. I knew other people around the area and we just like, Hey, what if, what if we just contact the different people that we know and just all meet together? Yeah. Mm. I was like a couple of years ago when we did that and we met at a restaurant and just had a wonderful time Mm. connecting and realizing, wow, there are a lot of people in this area in different churches. We don't even know that each other exists. So that's, that's how I got started. And what we do, we, we decided to meet monthly. So first Saturdays of every month, we meet from nine 30 to 1130 and we kind of have a flexible agenda But the main thing that Susan wanted was to have colleagues to be able to ask, you know, about a different, you know, different counseling uh, situations. But we just talk about whatever we need to talk about and just support each other and what they're doing. So, yeah, it's been really good. And we're still meeting. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That's fantastic. I I love seeing that take place. And we we try to encourage that as much as possible as well with the BCC. But uh, uh, that's wonderful. And I encourage you, if you're listening and you don't have anything like that, start it up. There's nothing to <laughs> yeah, keep you from doing it. Yeah, because the other helpful thing, the help, the helpful, thing, helpful thing is when we need to refer somebody, mm. we have a list of people who are, there are several counselors who are doing biblical counseling as their personal business. Yeah. Not everyone is doing counseling in their churches, it just depends on the church. Not everyone can do counseling in the church. So some people are doing it on their own and charging. Yes. Charging. (laughs) That's a whole nother topic for your podcast, but, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, so, so we get to refer out, you know, to different people and that's, that's very helpful. No, absolutely. Well, uh, that was all sparked by the question of what are, what keeps you going. And I think all of those things that you mentioned are really helpful. Uh, the calling aspect of it is, is so important, especially in mm-hmm. those hard times, right? I, I think yeah. when things get really difficult, the, sometimes we start to look for the exit door and it's like, when you <laughs> know, no, God's called you to do this, then, yeah. then it yeah. helps you stay Sometimes you want to quit, right? Sometimes you want to quit. And I think that's the beauty of the BCC summit, Mm. you know, coming like my first and only time at the summit was 2019. And it's just so refreshing to come there knowing that, okay, we don't have, we're not on, we don't have to (laughs) do counseling. (laughs) We can relax. We're amongst all everyone who understands what it feels like Mm. to do this the ups and the downs and yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, sometimes you want to quit, but it's like, it's the love of God and the love of his people that keep us going. Yeah. And I mean, that's such a, I mean, scripture is really clear over and over. Paul tells 
the Corinthians, like part of our sharing our story is that you would persevere in in right. your suffering as well. And yeah, no, that's good. Uh, you already mentioned uh, when I asked about the hard hard things you face in counseling. You mentioned kind of maybe one mistake. Um, any other lessons you've learned, or or maybe um, going back to a follow up question on that. The temptation to rush in, knowing the the challenge uh, or knowing somebody's case, quote unquote, knowing the problem and all the the details. How might you encourage somebody to avoid that mistake? Like, what what do you do differently now, having learned from that experience? Um, encouraging the pastors to include a female counselor when there's a female coming. Right from the I know beginning. it's uh, it's not always. Excuse me. Right from the beginning, right? Is that? It's it's better right from the beginning, but I know it's that's not possible in every case. It's you know we we do need more female biblical counselors in the church, but and because a lot of women are women are the main ones seeking counseling, yeah. but yeah, just having someone like the, the female counselor or whoever you know you're bringing in, let them know ahead of time. What I like, what our church does at at my church, we have a meeting once a month. So I am I am the biblical counseling coordinator, although the website says director. So I don't know what it is, but uh, for for our church, and that we just once a month, like we have a meeting tomorrow where all the pastors and we have three women counselors. We meet and we discuss the cases that we're doing. Matter of fact, we're looking to be actually more organized where we need a software program where we can keep track of people that we're counseling. Mm-hmm. And if someone has counseled that person before or if they had befriended that person before, we can talk and get some insight into that and see who's the best person to come in on that or just be aware that this is going on. So I may need to pull you in at some point, you know, so yeah, just just if you have a staff, just to keep people abreast and aware of what's going on in the counseling ministry, see who's been connected with who. And that's just the one anothering, right? It's the yeah. it's the small groups. Who know does anyone know what's going on with this family? You know, let's so yeah, it's it's it just helps with the whole cohesive um element of church of the church family for the counseling staff. So that's helpful. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> That's good. What is your, what's your favorite thing about counseling? My favorite thing, you know, the fate, my most favorite thing about counseling is having to study hmm. before I, I go in. I love the study part. It, it, it forces me into the word of God. <laughs> so that's a good way to, for me to stay in the word of God is like, I have to look into the word. I want to apply, uh, the Bible rightly, you know, in this particular situation. So I have to study. That's what speaking does. It, it forces me in. That's what writing does. It forces, forces me into the scriptures to learn accurately what the Bible says about this particular situation. So yeah, that's it. it and I, I get filled. I get ministered to. I think we all counselors, I think we all know that it's like we go into a counseling session like, OK, I'm going to help that person. But then we come out blessed and more encouraged in our faith because of us digging into that for that person. 
So that's that's what I love about it. No, that's really good. Uh, this is maybe a little different different way of. Hopefully, it's a slightly different question. But where do you get derive the greatest? Maybe not greatest joy in counseling. What are some other things that bring you a lot of joy in counseling? I like the fact. Um, so if it's held in the church, because I, I do counseling inside the church and outside the church. Inside the church, I love the way it helps me get connected with my church family. Mm. So it's it's all about that connection for me. Yeah. Uh, and it's very important. So I love that aspect about it. And even talking to people on the out, not in my church, it's also, you know, the one anothering and encouraging them, you know, to get more, you know, into their relationship with the Lord and into their church or if it's not, if it's the church is not for you, find one. So it's just the networking and the ministering and the connection. Yeah. That's what I let to me. That's fun. Yeah. It's that's the fun part about counseling. Oh yeah. That's really good. It's, I mean, you mentioned earlier on, I think that part of the thing that drew you was people coming to you with their problems right? You just had that experience and that even caused you to start thinking about psychology. And then you heard about biblical counseling on the radio and kind of filed that away. And by God's grace, I mean, I think biblical counselors, we, we, we like people. (laughs) (laughs) Fortunately, fortunately. If you ever stop loving people, one, there's this thing like the second great commandment and two, maybe you should take a break from counseling, but (laughs) no, that's really, that's really good. Uh, any, any funny stories you could share, obviously without violating confidence or, you know, at at the, at at the cost of anybody else. I, my funny stories are always about me because I, you know, do stupid stuff all the time. So I have lots of funny stories about me, but any maybe lighthearted stories you could share that other biblical counselors might connect with and find some, find some humor in. Um, I, you know, I couldn't think of anything like funny. I have funny counselees. <laughs> so I, that's the thing. It's like, okay. One thing I, I, I do joke with people a lot is when I'm asking a question, what's their number one answer? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And I keep saying, I don't know is, an, is not an answer. <laughs> so when I start the counseling session, okay, we're going to get started. And I want you to know, I'm going to remind you, I don't know. It's not an answer. And they laugh. I laugh. And it's just, yeah, it's like, yeah, we can't no, do that. Good, it's like, <laughs> that's good. I use that with my kids all the time. So that's a, <laughs> I don't that's know. It's not, not an answer. An answer. <laughs> Oh, that's good, sister. Well, uh, I'm glad to hear that you were prepared. You told me ahead of time you're prepared for this, but we are down to two-minute favorites. Are you ready for this? Yes, I am ready. All right. I'm going to start my timer here, and here we go. What is your favorite food? French fries. Favorite color? Purple. Favorite sport? I like the track part of, of track. I mean, there's track and field, mm-hmm. but I like track. Um, Allison Felix is a one is Olympian that I know. I know her parents. Her parents are, are he's a pastor of a church here in LA, and I just watch her during the Olympics. I love it. Very cool. Favorite sports team? The USA Olympic track team. <laughs> there you go. Uh, favorite <laughs> gift you've ever received? I was thinking about this, and I have to say. 
my daughter, giving birth to my daughter. She was the best gift I've ever received. Hmm. Favorite gift you've ever given? I would have to say the best gift I've given was giving her a college education Hmm. because she graduates in May in a few weeks, 2021. We'll all celebrate with you. Uh, favorite word. Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day. My favorite book of the Bible is Ephesians. That's my favorite. Favorite book outside scripture? I would have to say my utmost score is highest. I was trying to think, what book do I keep going back to? That's the one. All right. Favorite candy? Ghirardelli chocolate caramel is my bet. Is the only chocolate out there. Ghirardelli. (laughs) All right. Favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate chip and caramel. Anything with vanilla, chocolate chip, with caramel. All right. I could get on board with some of that right now. That would be good. All right. Well, that wraps up our timer. And Shannon wraps up our time together today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Curtis. Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.